1: We're talking
0: real money.
1: Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us here on Talking Real Money. How are you doing? Uh, here we are smack dead. Well, not in, right in the middle of uh, of the summer, but pretty close to it. Um, hopefully, you've been enjoying it wherever you are. If you're listening live here on Saturday afternoon or on the podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Cock, and uh, my partner, Don McDonald, is taking a Saturday off, which he almost has never done. So well-deserved. He's on the coastline somewhere, I think, in South Carolina, and hopefully enjoying himself with his family. Uh, if you're out there trying to figure out what to do about your money, your finances, your investments, all of those things, well, I'm here to answer those questions. So it's as simple as using your telephone, and I know most of you have one. It is uh, the numbers eight five five nine three five talk Eight five five nine three five eight two five five. so give me a call and I'd be happy to answer any questions money related and there's always a lot of them. Um, it's been kind of a weird month here frankly and not just August but really since the middle of June you know back in the middle of June everyone was giving you all kinds of wild advice about what to do because the market stock markets were down. And the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates and we might be heading into a recession and et cetera, et cetera. I'll talk about some of that advice in a minute. But, wow, look what's happened since then. The Standard & Poor's 500, that index of big companies in America that you trust, up 3.3% this week, up 16% since it's low in June. Wow, wow. Um, inflation running at a mere 8.5%. I laugh because people say, well, inflation is now under control. Sure it is. You want inflation to run at 8.5%. I don't think that's under control, but it's, I guess, less than what it was. Um, it now appears the economy is going to avoid a recession. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows how this will all play out? And, you know, company earnings, you know, some resiliency there. So things don't look quite as bad for corporate earnings as they did just a few weeks ago. But that shows you how wacky all this can be, how quickly it can change. And, and frankly, why you need to avoid advice like you get. <laughs> I love reading this stuff. Uh, this is an article from CNBC. One advisor telling people, uh, well, we're attempting to address both inflation and recession concerns. Uh, this advisor telling people to buy companies to pay a high dividend, value stocks, uh, keep your your bonds uh, short-term or intermediate term. We should always do that and keep them of high quality. Um, <laughs> and then he says, well, our allocations may shift based on key data released later this week. In other words, we're going to respond to whatever data comes out. And remember, there was a pretty long period of time earlier this year when the data was bad. I mean, like really bad day after day of Well, basically, the couldn't hire anybody, right? The economy appears to be in a recession if you buy the two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And then this awful inflation, which is really uh, harmful to the economy, especially if you're retired or close to it, because wow, you don't want your costs going up that much. So we'll keep talking more about all these things, but we'd love to hear from you. 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255. As we continue talking real money.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
2: A second opinion could save your life either physically or fiscally. Let one of our Vestry advisors help you save your future at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com.
0: Your guides to a
1: really great financial future.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
1: Thanks for being part of the program today. Talking Real Money continues, 855 935 talk that's 855 935 join the conversation what, what, whatever question you have around money making money saving money investing money losing money blowing money <laughs> anything around that i'd be glad to talk to you about so 855-935-8255 I, I was chatting about how it's been an interesting period of time because it wasn't that long ago when people were telling you Ooh, we really got to watch the signs here to see If we're really in a a bad recession, uh, what that will mean to stocks, frankly, what that will mean to bonds, which have had a very difficult year, um, and what that will mean to your portfolio. And they were kind of telling you, yeah, okay, you better be careful here. Maybe take a little risk off the table. Maybe you know switch types of stocks you hold. Move money around a little bit. Wall Street always wants you to move money around because when you're moving that money around, generally, you're making them money um what i call disinterested you know interested parties pardon me that uh, have great advice for you uh, and want you to do something because it's uh, in their interest so what do you do well first thing you do is you got to ignore all that because that comes and goes next week be new advice based on whatever new thing has come out right uh, major bill just passed the House and Senate, going to be signed by the president next week. That may affect the markets. I don't know when they finally dig into what that's going to mean, for example, to the, the uh, EV marketplace, that kind of thing. But you can't look at this day-to-day. You cannot pay attention to the markets. You can't pay attention to the, the pundits. And as part of that, you really have to accept if you're going to be an investor, short-term market fluctuations. Understand they come along. Understand they they'll come along for whatever reason. Whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a war, whether it's election, those things are there. And so if you want to be an investor in stocks, which are investments in companies, and sometimes those companies look good for the future, sometimes they look not so good. But you got to be able to willing to deal with that, take, take it as it comes and tune it out. And then as part of that, here's the other part that really is pretty basic, but I see most people not doing it. And that is truly diversifying. Diversify, diversify, diversify is what one Nobel Prize winner said once. And I'm not talking about the S&P 500 because the S&P 500 is 500 stocks. I am talking about a global portfolio of thousands of stocks. As an aside, um, this just came up because Apple has had a huge run here this last, I think, five or six weeks you know, the, the little computer company, Um that company now makes up about 7.5% of the S&P 500. So if your money is basically in the S&P 500, you have got a ton of money in one stock, a way more money than I think you should have in one stock. And that's one of the risks of, of sort of owning an index and thinking you're diversified. And the risk of being in that stock, well, that stock could have... A period of time where it is horrible or it could go away. I don't know. But I wouldn't want to have that much of my portfolio in one particular equity. But if you did now, after last week's 3.3% gain, your portfolio is only down, only down 9.3% of something to consider, though. A diversified portfolio, 100% in global stocks that includes the S&P 500, small value u.s international all those things uh you're down 7.2 percent so you feel a little better yeah you don't feel great because you haven't made any money uh but by the way shockingly uh, u.s small cap value companies which are for sure riskier than the s&p 500 they're only down now one tenth of one percent for the year so Should the market open Monday higher, those are actually going to go above water here, which would be a bit of a shock because that is a very risky and volatile asset class. By the way, U.S. large cap value stocks are down 3.8% year to date. And the aforementioned bonds still having a tough time. You know, it's kind of an odd year where the bonds are actually now down more than the stock's the intermediate term bond fund that I follow is down 8.2% year to date, 8.2%. Now, something to keep in mind there is that fund is buying new bonds at higher interest rates than they have been the last few years. So eventually here, the yield on those that fund will do better. Bonds, you know, should start to improve. Don't know when, because... Uh, Depends a lot still on how many more interest rate hikes we have from the Federal Reserve and how big those hikes are. So a lot of undercurrents here, but again, the the big picture is diversify, diversify, diversify. And then the other part is keep those costs low. Use low cost index or index like products. And now in today's world, you can buy exchange traded funds that are so inexpensive and tax efficient. And you don't have to do anything once you buy the portfolio. You just put it there. You have the right mix of stock ETFs, bond ETFs. You let it ride. And also in today's world, there's we not just us, you could go to talkingrealmoney.com and uh, and click on the portfolios. And it gets three portfolios at three fund groups. We give them to you free. Our friend Paul Merriman's got more sophisticated ones where there's like 10. So if you really want to spend more time and energy on all these things, there's ways to do it. But um, it's pretty simple, pretty easy to do. And again, be diversified. Keep your costs low and tune out a lot of the noise because the noise will always be there. I don't know what it'll be causing next week from next week, but it'll happen. So our telephone number, 855-935-8255. Please call us. Be glad to talk to you. We also get a lot of email questions. And here's one came in from Nicole. She said, I believe you're not a fan of the buckets strategy where money is considered to be held for short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals. Can you tell me more about your opinion of this withdrawal strategy and what you suggest as an alternative withdrawal plan? What she's talking about here is when you retire, how do you draw the money? Where does that money come from? And uh, it's pretty important to do this right for a variety of reasons. First of all, one reason is taxation, you want to draw from the right accounts. I've run into people who said, well, I'll just cash out my IRA and you know, start spending it when they had money in a taxable account. And remembering anything you take out of that IRA, you pay regular income tax rate for the money out of a taxable account. You're going to pay long-term capital gains, et cetera. So there's all kinds of reasons to uh, consider that. But back to the question that Nicole raises, what about having sort of separate buckets, a short-term bucket for you know maybe the next one to three years, midterm, I don't know what, three to five, and then longer term, five years plus. We'll take that up after we do uh, some little bit of business here, uh, traffic and weather. Your calls as well, 855-935-8255. Give us a ring. Glad to talk to you here as we are talking real money.
0: Tom and Don are talking real money.
2: Tom and I created Vestry to help everyone become a better investor, even those who will never be clients. Let one of our advisors help you start your financial plan or solve a money problem free with no obligation or high-pressure sales pitch at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com.
0: For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money
1: thanks for being part of talking real money i'm tom cock don mcdonald with the day off and you out there struggling with you now, hopefully not struggling too much but questions so give me a ring glad to answer them for you 855-935-TALK that is 855-935-8255 talking a little bit about this question from nicole about the buckets strategy of course I haven't needed a bucket to catch rain here in a long time in the northwest but it's coming. I get that. Uh, all kidding aside, what about that? Having a, a sort of a, a, a bunch of money in one place for short term, more money uh, in an intermediate type of term, and then long term. Yeah, here's the reason that I, I'm not a fan of it. Um, first of all, the short term bucket generally ends up being cash or cash like. And one of the problems I see with most people's portfolios is they hold too much cash. You feel safe with that, right? I have a lot of money. I have $60,000 in my checking account. I have $84,000 in my savings account. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. in, In that case, you're kind of losing money safely. In other words, the rising price of fill in the blank, whatever it's been, and certainly the rising prices have been pretty substantial here the last half a year at least, are really eating away at all that money you have sitting in a short-term bucket. And those short-term buckets have not been paying much. Although I just sent someone to a high yield savings account not long ago. Um, we don't manage them for people, but I send people to them that's paying about two, 2% a year. So that's one of my problems is people have a tendency to say, well, I'm going to set aside three years of, of short-term money. You know, so that, that to me is a, 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 Global problem in the United States. People have like eighteen trillion dollars in uh, in in banks. That's really making nothing. So that that's one reason I don't favor it. Number two, generally, it's easier to have sort of a total return strategy. That is, you have a portfolio that is stocks, bonds, and maybe a little bit of cash. And then every six months, you say, okay, I need to create this much cash to pay the bills you or your investment advisor create trades to rebalance the account in other words some things have gone up more than others or some things have gone down less than others whatever it is that creates the cash you also rebalance the account to the correct percentages that strategy has worked very well for a long period of time and in fact it's allowed uh people to to uh build the correct portfolio to maintain the correct portfolio and to create cash in a way that can be really good i'll give you an example the spring of 2020 when um, stocks went way down bonds went up you sold those bonds you bought some of the uh, stocks and you also put money in your bank if you will to pay the bills so I just think that sort of total return strategy, and we've got all kinds of tables. We'll share some of them on uh, September 17th with you that show through thick and thin, that has been a very good strategy. I just haven't found one that's better. Um, and it doesn't mean they don't exist. And there's all kinds of people that spend a lot more time on that than I do. Frankly, putting it in a computer and saying, how does this last for 30 years in short term? And, and minute-? I, I just don't favor that sort of buckets approach. I know the guy who designed it. <laughs> I know that he's, basically got sort of bounced out of the industry and I guess he's bounced back in, but we're not a favor. We're not a fan of that. That, that said if you're retired and you are living off of the money to a large extent, I think having six months to a year's worth of spending in a cash type account is okay. Um, my portfolio, because I'm still adding to it is really just stocks and bonds and it's pretty aggressive because I'm hoping to work for a number of additional years and still be earning money so i'm not going to need it so i'm okay with the volatility which is something again that uh that you need to know about your overall situation whether or not you can take a big hit like we had well i guess in the spring of 2020 or 2008 2009 or 2000 2001 any of those times um and here's just to to close out the bucket strategy in my mind most of the time i know it hasn't been true this year most of the time bonds can be that sort of cash bucket because they're mainly ballast they mainly sit there they don't move up and down a lot i know they've had a difficult time so far this year but you can draw from that so that's my answer to you nicole and thank you for listening 855-935-TALK 855-935-8255 we will return talking real money tom
2: and don are talking real money is your portfolio a mess? You may have a case of hodgepodgeitis. But don't worry, we can help. Just set up a free, no-obligation meeting with a Vestory advisor at vestory.com. No sales pitch guaranteed. That's V E S T O R Y.com. Reality
0: radio for a really great future.
1: We're talking real money. Thanks for being part of our little get-together where we talk about, yeah, money. Uh, Here every Saturday live from noon to 2 Pacific. If you're somewhere else in the country, you can do the math. And then uh, as a podcast almost every day on all of your favorite uh, podcast services. We take some of this, turn it into a podcast. We make some new ones. So... Um, next week will be a little unusual because I will be on vacation, but Don will be back and you know how creative he can be all by himself. So that'll be part of the podcast next week. Eight five five nine three five talk is our phone number, Eight five five nine three five eight two five five. And Ted joins us now on Talking Real Money. Hi, Ted.
3: Hi. Yeah, I have a question. You and Don always talk about uh, the people handling your money be fiduciaries. Well, I deal with Oppenheimer and Ameriprise Financial, so my question is, are they fiduciaries or should I be uh, seeking somebody else who would be?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'd have to look into Oppenheimer's registration. That said, I can guarantee you that Ameriprise is registered as both a registered investment advisor, which is a fiduciary relationship, and as a broker-dealer. They're what they call duly registered. My issue with dual registration is it allows the door to be opened to them selling you products, to them not having to put your interest first. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily that way. But if you were to wake up one day and say, what's the best situation to be in? It would not be that Ameriprise, frankly, in the industry does not have a great reputation for how they help people. I'm using that in air quotes. Um, they uh, it's expensive it's active management and generally as I say they don't have the best rep in the business Oppenheimer I don't know that much about and my guess is and I I don't have time to dig into it right now Ted but they're probably duly registered as well in other words they're a broker dealer and then they're also a a registered investment advisor a registered investment advisor by the terms of their registration with the federal government have a legal requirement To put your interests ahead of their own let me say that another way in other words everybody else you know they could say that what they're putting you in is appropriate but it isn't necessarily in your best interest and that sort of shading is where i get nervous where i see things happen i think we talked about one on the show last week where somebody went in and was sold a big annuity that she just frankly did not need but uh, the advisor said, well, I've got you in this other portfolio, but this annuity really would be helpful, an annuity that made the person selling it to her you know, something like $15,000 in an afternoon's work. So it creates a conflict. Um, I would urge you to go, for example, with whatever uh, contract you've signed with Oppenheimer or with Ameriprise uh, to look at that, to see exactly what they're charging you and how they're charging you. I don't like Uh, advisors that charge you commissions because that creates a conflict of interest. And then I would look at a thing called their ADV part two, which is where they talk about specifically conflicts of interest that they may have. And this gets into the nuts and bolts. And a lot of you don't spend the time on that and you just want to know, well, this person treat me well. And the situation, sadly, Ted, with both of those is the answer is maybe.
3: Well, I've had pretty good, relationships with the people at both of those companies, um, I, I don't usually go for what they want to do. I have my own idea of what I want to do with my money, and so far, I mean, they've presented other things to me, but uh, pretty much uh, I've done what I feel is right, and so far, I've been doing okay. Good. Well, that I'm makes I'm happy I'm, to hear I'm, that. You go ahead. I'm past, well past retirement, so... <laughs> um you know for instance in one of the uh situations I took half of my money uh, and put it into CDs because I wanted that to have like a five to six year uh, amount of money that I could draw on that would not fluctuate at all and yeah. uh and so that's what I did and so far it's worked out well for me and, I'm glad to hear that
1: truly again. Yeah. Um, and, and thank you for your call, Ted. Again, the, the, if you're already in a relationship and you feel like you've been treated fairly, well, that's okay. If you're in a relationship and you're not sure, then you can do a little checking. And also, as I say, if you're kind of you know getting close to retirement, Ted just said he's already in retirement, and you're trying to decide what direction to go, I don't see any reason to work with someone who is duly registered because it just creates the possibility of a conflict. 855-935-8255, 855-935-TALK. Give us a call. We'll take your questions and calls right here as we are talking real
2: money.
0: Tom and Don are talking real
2: money. Set your course for a great future with a free copy of our 60-page Better Retirement Guidebook at vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com
1: your guides to a really great financial future.
3: Tom and Don
0: are talking real money.
1: Welcome back to Talking Real Money, 855-935-TALK. That is 855-935-8255. The only way I know how to do it on my phone. Uh, So give me a call. Happy to help with any financial slash money slash financial issues that you have uh, and standing by right now is bill hi bill how can we help you
4: good afternoon Tom thanks for taking my call my pleasure um, I try to catch everything that you and Don do and I appreciate all the good information you've given me um, I have my particular question today regards mutual funds actually one mutual fund in particular and just yeah. to give you a little background um, I am one of four siblings who am receiving distributions from this mutual fund, or will be receiving. Um, my dad passed away a little while ago, and had American Mutual Fund A. I believe the symbol is AMRX.
1: AMR. And AMR. I, I missed the last two parts.
4: Uh, M is in Mary. X is in X-ray.
1: Okay. I see I it here, the American it Fund. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Okay, so um, my question is a couple of things. Um, like I said, there's four of us who will receive equal distribution from this. And um, one or more of us is interested in getting cash out of it. One or more of us is interested in um, getting fund, or getting, you know, shares of the fund. And I'm wondering how the division is handled And is there a cost related to that division?
1: That's a great question. So this is part of your father's estate and he passed away recently. Is that what I'm hearing?
4: Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay. And some people are saying just, you know, cash me out, give me my part. And uh, some are saying, well, I'd rather just leave it in the fund. Let me ask you a question. Um, How long ago did your father pass away?
4: He passed uh, about two years, I think.
1: Okay, so two years. So the fund... This,
4: yeah, this, uh, yeah. Fund, this fund was just alerted to us. We didn't know that it existed until uh, someone from, uh, I believe it was American Funds, or it could have been someone who handles that type of thing, reached out to us and let us know that it was there. Uh, we do have the estate in probate. It has not been closed out yet.
1: Okay, so this is going to go be part of all that. How and if I can ask, you roughly how much money is in the American Funds American Mutual Fund A?
4: Right now, I believe there's about one hundred and thirty thousand.
1: Okay, that's going to be divided by four, basically. You know, I mean, here's Correct. the thing. So, as you know, um, this the cost basis for selling this is going to go back to the date of your father's death. Now, you know, looking at it, it is it has made some money in that period of time. So any gains between the time that your father died and the time of selling to create cash for someone is going to create a taxable event. That's one, right? Everybody knows that.
4: Okay. yeah, that's a long term capital gain, correct?
1: Correct. So in other words, if you say, well, I want to cash myself out. okay, there is going to be that tax responsibility. If you say I'm just going to hold the fund then the only tax you're going to pay there is anything that the fund is going to send to you, whether it be dividends, interest, that kind of thing. You're going to pay tax on that after the estate is settled. Um, so those are the things I think you should consider. I'm trying to remember your other question was, would there be an expense? Not really, because selling the fund doesn't cost anything. Buying it, it's an A share, so the, it has a commission of 5.75%, which I, I don't favor, nor do I really favor the American funds, as you know. Um, so, but, um, but if, if, if you're going to just sit it there and then at some point, you know, get out of it, get your money, then that's, you know, an okay strategy. If it was my money and it was going to be whatever, $30,000 and it's going to have a small gain in it, I might wait till a tax year where I don't, where my tax bill is lower. If I knew about that, sell it, clean it up, move it into a portfolio of much cheaper funds. This fund has an expense ratio of almost 60 basis points. You can go buy an equivalent fund that holds basically large U.S. companies for about six basis points, so one-tenth. And um, so that's something to keep in mind as well.
4: Okay, so if I were to cash that out and then let's just say, for instance, I wanted to go through my money in VT or something like that, I would pay the capital gains on the mutual fund and then I would have whatever's left over.
1: Correct. I mean, and then they'll just, and and, and um, you know what, that would be my advice because my take would be in the coming years, that incredibly high expense ratio, the active management that they're going to do will underperform something like the VT over, you know, even a relatively short period of time.
4: Right, right. I follow that. I know I looked it up. I think it's 20 I think it's 58 basis point. Yeah. 58. I rounded
1: it up to 60. Okay. So it's 0.58. But again, and I forget what VT is. Isn't VT like six basis? I mean, it's some ridiculously low price that you can buy it for. So
4: that, I guess. So, uh, yeah, I understand that, um, you know, it was a front loaded fund and and fortunately or unfortunately, my dad paid that expense way back when, when he got into it, like, like you advised wouldn't have been my choice, but, What's done is done, and it, now it's just a lump of money. So, um, and let me ask you one more question: um, the capital gains tax, um, as I understand it, that's a stepped tax based on your uh, income.
1: Yeah, I mean, I forget where the break is, frankly, Bill. But uh, generally, you're going to pay the 15%, um, unless your income's over a certain level. I don't remember exactly what level that has to be. It's fairly high, but um, but yeah, if you if you if your rate is higher, you pay the Obamacare additional tax of I think it's three and a half percent. It's it's something in that range. But again, that would not be the reason necessarily. I would make this move. I, I think making the move because in the long haul, you're simply going to make more money being in a better fund, better diversification, and lower cost. That's the reason I would do it
4: gotcha that's that's kind of where my thoughts were um and just one other quick question the the capital gains tax that is assessed based on how you file as well with your single or married filing jointly or whatever these different levels
1: correct you're gonna that's gonna be just a part of your return again I, I i'm not a cpa but you're gonna you know they're gonna you're gonna have to run that number and say you know the the value is this at the time of my father's death the value is this as I'm selling it today. The gain is this much. What does the tax table say I have to pay on that?
4: Okay. All right. Well, I think that's that's pretty much how I understood it, but I appreciate the verification. I, I try to follow everything that you and Don do, and I appreciate what you do.
1: Well, thank you very much, Bill. Appreciate the phone call and appreciate you following our advice. I do want to mention, um, we haven't done a lot of these lately because of the pandemic, but I'm going to do a class uh, it's just a little over a month away um, in person in Bellevue, for those of you listening to us on the radio. And then for those of you who can't come to Bellevue, I gonna mean, it's going to be sent out over the great universe on the Internet. Learn more, sign up, register by going to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Classes. I hope to see you September 17th in Bellevue.
0: Tom and Don are Talking Real
2: Money. A second opinion could save your life either physically or fiscally. Let one of our Vestry advisors help you save your future at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com.
0: For
1: your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking
0: real money. Hey,
1: if you want some more direct help, hey, give us a call or go online and ask for it. We're here helping you with whatever question, so you simply go to Vestory.com and click on contact us that's v-e-s-t-o-r-y dot com